Good morning. Yeah, that was, that was a good song to lead into a Waymaker because through, uh, through this message this morning, um, thank God that he's going to make a way for us in what I'm going to speak about. And I want you to turn t- into the book of Revelation, chapter 19. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you have something to write with, um, to write these verses down because I think they're going to help you down the road or however you do it on your device. Or if you want to listen, watch it again on at the Facebook, then you're able to um, hear those verses because it's important that you not only hear what I'm saying, but what the Word of God is saying. And um, as I prepared for this, you know, it's a very sobering issue. It's, it's, there's a weight to this because as we read this and we talk about um, the second coming of Christ, it's kind of like branches off. And what does that mean for a believer? And what does that mean for an unbeliever? And it's, there are two contrasting things. And um, I was checking out something online, and I, was just, I mentioned this before. I kind of got became a Christian because of prophecy. It was like back in the 70s, somebody gave me a book by um, Hal Lindsey, The Late Great Planet Earth. And I was, I've always was interested in history and, and, and people and not so much politics, but that's kind of like where I struggled uh, with my life. And then when I read that book and it talked about prophecy, the light went on because I realized, okay, the Bible's true, and all these prophecies have come true already. That means I was looking up something yesterday, and they said there's 2,400 prophecies in the Bible. 2,000 of them have been fulfilled already to the T. No error. And the odds of that happening, take 1 to 10, 1 to 10 with 2,000 zeros after that. That's, that's the chance of that happening. And that makes you realize when God says this is going to happen, it will happen. Exactly like he says. And so it kind of sobers you up to realize, okay, this, sometimes you may want to avoid the book of Revelation, but, uh, you know, we can be comforted to know in one hand, this is, this is the end of the story. Mankind has been unfolding since, you know, Genesis 7, excuse me, since the, since the Garden of Eden, with Adam and Eve, sin came in. And the plan is moving forward, and the plan is moving forward, and now we're coming to the place where it's going to be fulfilled. God's plan. And Jesus Christ is going to reign on the throne forever and ever. But there is something in between. It's like this... this these dark clouds are coming, and there's something coming that um, is going to be horrific for people who aren't taken out of here and because it's God's plan. And sometimes we have a concept of, we know he's a God of grace, but don't forget, God put his full wrath, his wrath on Jesus so that we don't have to face the wrath of God. But if you don't have Jesus... For those who are in this situation, they're going to feel the full wrath and judgment of, of Jesus Christ himself. 
That's not the, that's, that's, that's sobering and that's not to scare anybody, but that's just the reality. When you read the book of Revelation, this, this will unfold, this will happen. And so I was asking the Lord this morning, so as I communicate this, what is it that, kept, you know, searching, what is it you want me to emphasize? And, you know, the Spirit really showed me, it was just like, this is all true, but what should be our hearts as believers to those who don't know Jesus and knowing what's coming and what does that do for our life to communicate this truth to people because it's going to happen and this is what we're going through now is nothing compared to what's coming it is like a living nightmare of what's going to happen on planet earth and um we're here, we're here to share this good news, to share this gospel with people, but also to warn people. Whether they receive it or not, that's not your business. You're just to tell them. You're just to warn them. And so, the event that's coming is the day when Jesus Christ returns to this world in power and glory to reign on the throne of David. And... Um, Grant, did we choose Isaiah 9-7 for that or Luke? Luke 1-32. So there's going to be some verses here. Just follow with me because it's going to back up what I'm saying. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. It's talking about Jesus. The plan is from the beginning that Jesus will be on the throne at the end of all this. That's where the Father wanted him. And um, Jesus made a promise to his followers in Revelation 20, 22, 20. Surely I come quickly. Now, for some people, if you read in, like, I think it's first or second Peter, um, there's scoffers. There's people who say, everybody's been saying that forever, and he still hasn't come. Well, it also says in first Peter that one day is to the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So he's not on the same timetable as we are. But now you know why he is long-suffering. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Why? Because of what we're going to see this morning as we read this. This is what's coming, and that's just part of it. That's not even talking about eternity and being separated from God forever in hell. That's why he's long-suffering. That's why right to the end you want to see a person receive Christ because of what's coming for them as they die, and then also for those who are living. So basically, there's two parts to Jesus' return. The first part is the, the rapture or the taking out or the snatching or catching up of the church. We're not going to go through what's coming. If you're a believer, I'm a believer in a pre-tribulation rapture that he's not appointed us to wrath. And that word in the Greek is the wrath. A believer doesn't face the wrath of God. For us, that wrath was put on Jesus. And so you look at a verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians has a lot to do with the second coming of Christ. He's not appointed us to wrath. But for those who aren't, caught up and taken out who aren't raptured out of here 
And I'm giving you a quick overview in the book of Revelation. You need to read this yourself. You need to uh, research this yourself so that you can verify, you know, okay, this is true. But there is a removing of the church from what is going to come, the bride of Christ. And so that's great for us as believers. He's going to pull us out of here. He comes as a thief in the night. I just, I just, in my spirit, just feel, I don't know when, but it just, obviously, it's getting closer, but it seems like it's getting real close. And what that will mean, or just imagine in your mind, if he takes every Christian out of here worldwide, what's that going to do? The restrainer is going to be removed from here because we are the salt of the earth right now. We are holding back the evil to a degree. He pulls us out, then chaos begins, and it'll, and it'll open a perfect opportunity for one who's called the Antichrist to step in and to bring peace. This person will be totally, totally possessed by the devil himself. So he'll be articulate, he'll be smart. And uh, right now, you can just see from now, there's chaos in the world. When that happens, the chaos will be greater. And there'll be a vacuum for something to happen. So the two parts of the return, one is the church is taken out. And the second part, after this great tribulation that comes upon the earth, we come back with him. So there's two parts to the second coming, to that one second coming. Church is raptured out. And then the second part, we come back with Jesus. And we're going to see what that means. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and 17, through 17. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Meaning their body, and if you look in the original language, falling asleep, they're not in when people die, they're not in sleep. Their body is talking about the human body. Because when we die to be... Um, Absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. So you are immediately in the presence of Jesus when you die here, now. But your body is there. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that those who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. There it is. That's the word that they get from rapture. You won't find the word rapture in the Bible, but in that word is caught up to together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So what's going to happen? The shout of the archangel, those who have died in Christ, their bodies are going to go up, we're going to be raptured, we're going to meet them, and as the Bible says, it's in a twinkling of an eye. You know, just right now, your eye just blinked. It's going to be here, it was going to be gone there. It'll be so quick, and we'll be there. Amen? Amen. That's how fast it's going to happen. It's not going to be a slow process where we're going up and we're looking around who's around us. No, it's going to be absent, boom, with him. That's, that's awesome news for those of us who go up. And so the question is, 
Will you meet him the first time at the rapture to come back with him the second time? Because we're not going to be here for the judgments. We may see some things here before the rapture, but basically um, what's coming and these things we're going to read are for those who are left behind. So the first point is coming, his coming will be visible. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Revelation chapter 19. Let me just read here. And starting in verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat, sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls of the air in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond. In verse 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Who's on that horse and who is, who is leading the way is Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that we don't have to fight. He does all the fighting. And he does all his fighting not with any weapons. It's with his word. Just, just try to comprehend that. Just with his word. The same word that he spoke in Genesis and he created the universe. That's the same word that he will use when he comes against those who have rejected him. Gives us a little, a little different shade of sometimes we may have a concept of God and he is a loving God, but he's also a God of judgment. We don't have to face his judgment if we receive his son. But if you don't receive his son because he's a just God, then you face judgment from him. And there's a, there's a balance to that. You know, it says in the Bible, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Sometimes we don't have a healthy fear of God. We sometimes, obviously, we take grace to a place where we just live our lives. I'm going to heaven. Everything's fine. I don't have to worry about anybody else. I don't have to worry about myself. And that's, that's not the right balance. We have to have the balance of he's a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. And those people who I don't want to see face his judgment are right before me. Our family members, people around us. Because this is what is going to happen. This is what they're going to face. Like I said, it's a sobering thing. After the tribulation judgment, the seals, you can read it yourself, the seals, the trumpets, all those different things that take place. And I want to say, if you read the book of Revelation, after Revelation chapter 4, there's no more mention of the church. 
the church is not mentioned. The bride of Christ is not mentioned. So it's just something else to show you that the church is not going to go through this. This wasn't appointed for us. While that is, this is going on, on the, in the world, we're going to be having a seven-year marriage feast with Jesus because he hasn't come back yet the second time. So that's going on. We're going to be with him. Amen? Amen. Seven years. The marriage feast. I don't know what that's going to be like, but it's got to be awesome. So I want to see this verse in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Yeah, I know there's, there's individuals out there that say, no, we're going to, for some reason, they, like they want to go through the tribulation, which I don't understand. It's like, no, you're going to go through it and we're going to have to tough it out and... Um, Sometimes that's just their personality or whatever is motivating them. Like, oh, yeah, the church has got to go through that to be punished. No, the bride of Christ is not going through what's coming. Revelation, I'm just giving these verses so you can have them as a reference. Revelation 1, 7. Behold, he's coming with clouds and every eye will see him. This is when he's coming back the second time with us. Even they who pierced him, those who crucified him, the peoples, the tribes, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. They're going to see him coming, and they're going to be mourning at his coming, his appearance. And there's nothing they can do to change it now. We'll see. There will be, there will be millions and millions of people saved during the tribulation time. It says in Revelation 7, those who are in white robes and, and stained with blood, that John couldn't even say the numbers of those people, but he knew the numbers of 200 million of the horde from the east, whoever they are, coming in Revelation, whether it's demonic forces or countries. No one really knows. There's a mystery there. And so the people who are, are in those white robes are those who will be martyred during the time of the tribulation. People who, what's going to happen is, you're going to, take, you're going to believe in Jesus, but probably you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to die for that. You're going to die for that belief because of the system that's going to be going on. And you all know about the mark of the beast, the 666. It's, you know... You read some things online now where people are saying, well, if you take the vaccine, that's the mark of the beast. It's like, no, it's not, it's not the mark of the beast. You're going to know, the, the, if you were there, the mark of the beast, it's going to be a system that you're going to have to bow down to and worship to. And you'll know what you're doing when you do that. And if you do that, you're sealed. There's no, there's no turning back after that. You can't be saved after that. So the... So, there's two parts of the second coming. Invisible, like a thief, the rapture. We're out of here. So the question comes, um, why, why is he going to come now? Like, 
the second part of the second coming, why would he come at that particular time? Well, in this verse, Matthew 23, 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left unto you desolate. This was Jesus talking before he ascended and was warning them, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What's that, what that is saying is the purpose of all of this for the tribulation is to bring repentance to Israel because he was Jewish and they rejected him. And it's at that time when they call upon the name of the Lord is when he will come, but they have to repent. And that's what they will do eventually. And if you read through the book of Revelation, two-thirds of the Jews in the world are going to perish through all of this. So what's the chance of someone, when they plead for the Messiah to come, during this seven-year tribulation period, you know, some people say once the rapture happens, the tribulation begins. Not necessarily. There's nothing that says that, that once the rapture happens, it could, but th there could be a period in between before that persecution starts in the tribulation period. Some people say, well, once the rapture happens, that's when the tribulation begins. That's an opinion. People have said that. I, I don't know if that's biblical. It's, the Bible doesn't say that. There could be a period where that doesn't happen. And so, what's going on, as you can tell, I'm, I'm moving fast because this is an overview, but during the tribulation period, how are people going to get saved? Well, one, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists. God's going to just anoint these, these Jewish men who are going to preach the gospel in the whole world. Why the Jewish people? Because they are individuals. They are a culture that knows multiple languages. And they're able to reach many people. And so it's not, and that's where the Jehovah Witnesses get off because they think they're the 144,000. But if you read the book of Revelation, it's, it's 12,000 from each tribe. It's amazing what God is going to do. And so during this period, people are still going to have an opportunity to come to Jesus. So there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists. There's what they call the two witnesses that will have power from heaven that will be witnessing to the world. And with the kind of coverage we have now with internet and TV, it's going to be worldwide. And then also there's going to be an angel flying throughout the whole earth saying, holy, holy, worship the Lord God Almighty. So it's not like no one's going to have a chance. It's still going to be there. That's God's grace. Amen? Still giving people an opportunity right to the end. And so the appearance of Jesus, if you look in verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire and his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no one knew but he himself. Jesus was different than the first time he came full of glory, wearing many crowns of royalty this time. His eyes are a flame of fire, which basically means there's a holiness to him. 
not returning as a meek lamb, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Returns not in humility, but he's returning in power and authority and glory. We'll see him for who he really was as he comes back. And so this time around, not as a servant, but as a king. Not coming to suffer, but he's coming to inflict suffering to those who don't, to those who despise him and reject him. He's coming to inflict suffering. I don't say that with joy. I'm just saying he's coming to inflict suffering. That's why he's long-suffering with, with everybody because you don't want to face the wrath of Jesus Christ. He's not coming to die, as one person said, but to visit death on those who, are def who defied and despise him. He's coming to bring death. I mean, just, just look at the world the way it is now. And it's just like, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen? Amen. To bring righteousness and judgment to the earth and make things right. And he will make things right. That's why he says, vengeance is the Lord's. For people, you know, gee, they got away with that. That wasn't fair. How come this and how come that? There will be a day of judgment. He's the judge. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. And to give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. This is what the word of God is saying. This is not my opinion. This is what the spirit is saying. He's coming, flaming fire to take vengeance. Because to set up the kingdom that he wants to set up, all unrighteousness has to be removed. There's mercy and there's grace. But if you don't receive that, then, then, then you face his wrath. So today is the day of mercy, but then it's going to be a day of wrath. Verse 11 says, faithful and true. Most people feel he, he won't return. So in 2 Peter, people say that. I mean, I've had people say that to me all the time. Oh, you've been saying that for 30 years. Like, where is he? They're scoffers. They're scoffing at God. Where is it? You said, you know, that's why for things that you, I'm sure you've seen and read where people start predicting when Jesus is coming back is such nonsense. You know, I can remember back in the 80s, it was like the alignment of the planets. The first time ever, these planets were all going to be aligned. And that means Jesus is coming. And everybody was going for that one. And I just passed. And then recently, someone was talking about the blood moons. When the moons get like this, Jesus is coming. That passes. And these are people, people who are claimed to be prophets. So the Bible says, if you say you're a prophet and what you say doesn't come true, in the Old Testament, they would just stone you. You're a false prophet. Truthful, faithful, and true. It's been 2,000 years 
but we're closer than we've ever been. Amen? And imagine we're the generation, if this is it, that you are here at this time for this purpose. And we want to try and reach as many people as we can. That's the heart of God. But this can motivate you. This, this always burns inside of me like, you know, it's like you're looking at a person, it's like, it's like looking at a burning building and, oh, oh well, they're going to die. It's just like you've got to realize they have an eternal destiny. And I'm going to be worried about them, what they think of me, and I better share this gospel and I believe you want to share it the right way, but we're so concerned about saying the perfect thing that we end up doing nothing because we don't want to be a stumbling block to them by how we did it. God's not limited by us, our frailty and our numbness in our brain sometimes. He will just use us. But it's almost like the enemy is ratcheting up what he does Holy Spirit ratcheted up in us. So, oh, being radical for Jesus, what does that mean? You've got you to ask that to God. You've got to ask him what that means for you. Will you be rejected? Yeah, probably. But that's, that's not your problem. They're rejecting him, not you. But we still have to bring the message. So, these aren't verses that are going to be up there, but John 1.14, he's full of, Jesus is full of grace and truth. In John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So his word is dependable. And in verse 11 it says, he fights in righteousness. All wars boil down to sin throughout history. People are just hungry for power. That's what most wars are about and disputes everything, hungry for power. Jesus wages a righteous war. He's not hungry for power. He has all power. He knows it. Granted, I choose Isaiah 11.5. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. It's talking about, it's talking about in the future of Jesus. His name, it says in the first name, his, his eyes are a flame of fire and his head many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. It's kind of like a name of mystery. Kind of things I was checking out and studying is a name of mystery because now it's too late. They don't know who he is. They can't even perceive who he is. That's why he's a name of mystery to people at this point, because they don't know him. And they're not going to be able to know him if they've crossed that line of rejecting him. Then it says, he's, verse 13, his eyes were a flame of fire, and he had a name written that no one knew but he himself. A name of mystery, the word of God, verse 13, Jesus always ministered his word. Here, he speaks the word, and everyone is slain. He's going to speak the word. He doesn't need any weapons, and they're going to be slain. This is, obviously, this is not the feel-good message, but this is sobering to get us to the place where 
I got to wake up. He is coming soon. And if he doesn't come in our generation, we know what's coming. And even if the rapture doesn't happen now, people still die. And people still spend an eternity separated from God. Like I said, he spoke the word in Genesis. Everything was created. He's going to speak the word now and destroy everything. Praise God that we won't be there. What we'll be able to see, I have no idea. The name of majesty, it says in verse 16, he's the king of kings. The world on this day will have to acknowledge him as king. That's why it says every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. He is Lord. There will come a time. Oh, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't, you know, that's whatever they say. And it's like one day they're going to have to acknowledge who he is. I don't say that in a spiteful way or, or a way, well, they're going to get what they deserve. But basically you reap what you sow. You're going to get what you deserve in the end. For those who reject him. Then it says in verse 14, the armies of Jesus, which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So maybe you were never in the service, but now you're going to be in the service. You're going to be in the army of Jesus when he comes back. And you're just going to be in the back, and he's going to do all the fighting. No weapons, Matthew 24, 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you're here during that time and you look and you see? It's too late then. Isaiah, do we keep Isaiah 11 for Grant? Yeah. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Why are we going through all this? It's so that we realize this is what's going to happen and how much we want to be able to be, be a part of sharing the gospel with people. Yeah, it is a burden. It is, it is heavy, but that's okay. God is with us in this, and that gives you, you wonder why, gee, I don't feel like I want to share the gospel with people. Let me get this into your mind. This is, where, this is what's going to happen. This is where they're headed. If you don't care, there's, that's nothing I can do about that, nothing no one else can do if you don't have a concern. But that's not the heart of God. He's not willing that any should perish. Yeah, sometimes we get frustrated, sometimes we get angry with people. Why, why don't they believe? It's the iniquity of sin. It's just pride. I mean, if Satan was right there when, he's, when God in the beginning and he rebelled against God, and he saw everything God was. People saw Jesus. They didn't believe they saw miracles right in front of them. 
They didn't believe. It's the heart of, it's the heart of man. Secondly, his, his coming will be violent. Verse 17. And I saw an angel standing, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls of the, the fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourself together unto the supper of the great God. God calls the birds. This is in four, if you look at Revelation 14 20. In the winepress, verse 19, and the angel thrust in the sickle unto the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it a great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse's bridle by a space of 1,600 furlongs. I can't even imagine the bridle on a horse. That's how deep the blood's going to be. That's going to run from that's gonna, what's going to take place. And then God sends the birds to pick the flesh of these people, to eat their flesh. It's just like total, total annihilation and total judgment. Sometimes we have a concept of God like, you know, in our minds that we want it to be a certain way and uh, you were brought up with a certain religion and all I heard about was judgment. Well, thank goodness he sent his son to take the take the full wrath of all of our sins on Jesus so we don't have to face his wrath because that's still the same God. In verse 20, who's going to be operating down here at this time? You're going to have the Antichrist. You're going to have, you're going to have uh, yeah, the false prophet. Deceiving people, the deception is going to be so strong that people are going to take it hook, line, and sinker. They're going to believe it. They're going to believe that that's the way. A false religious system. You can see these things already developing little by little. It's moving faster and faster. And, and people who don't know Jesus, they're, they're blinded. They can't see. But the light of the gospel can open their eyes. The Spirit of God can open their eyes to see the truth. It's not that they can't see. It's that they refuse to understand. You've got to remember that. They have a free will. It's not like you're, you're sharing it the wrong way. They refuse to understand. They refuse to believe. Why? The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why would they reject that? Well, we all rejected it for a while, didn't we? Zechariah 13, 7 through 9. This is, this is prophetic. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man of whom my companions, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones and it shall come to pass in the land, says the Lord. The two-thirds, this is talking about, I was saying two-thirds of Israel are going to perish, or the Jews worldwide. The two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it, and I will bring the one-third through the fire. We'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them, and they will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. 
The plan has always been through Israel all along. He was born a Jew. It, God, that was God's covenant. That was God's plan. And all of this tribulation is to bring them to repentance. Bring that nation to repentance. Because that's the plan God had. And the Gentiles and all of us that are involved or part of that, you know, because we're here, um, it's not all about us. It's all about them. But they will eventually turn, but two-thirds of them will perish. They still will reject him. And his, com his coming will be victorious. I won't go through it, but basically, these armies of the earth, are actually, after they see all this, they still want to fight Jesus. They still want to fight him. The armies of the earth gather at one place called Armageddon to, to fight him and actually think they're going to win. After seeing everything that they saw, just so shows you the heart of man. Fighting the Antichrist, joined together to unite, unite to fight Jesus. There's a lot going on, there's battles going on, but they unite with the Antichrist to fight Jesus at this place. And the earths of the armies are destroyed. I won't have you turn number 20, verse 20 and 21. The Antichrist and the false prophet, the demons working through them to deceive the leaders of the world. Drawn to this place. God is going to draw, draw them to this place to destroy them. Revelation 16, 13, and 14. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. There's, that's the unholy trinity. We have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This, the other side has the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. That's what Satan does. He, he tries to duplicate and lie and deceive everything that God does that shows you how, how deceiving he is. He puts it close to the truth, but it's not the truth. Verse 14, For there is spirit of demons performing signs which go out of the kings of the earth and of the whole earth to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. They think they're doing something, but God's doing something else and drawing them right to that place to really to dispose of them. And by Jesus' word, he casts them, talks about, I won't go through all the verses, he takes them, the false prophet, the Antichrist and false prophet, throws them into the lake of fire. So they're dispersed. They're in that place right now. Satan, we'll see here, he will speak the word and instantly the armies are destroyed. I'm going to go to 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 and 9. And when the lawless one, who's the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So how are people going to go along with all this? After the church is, after the church is removed, the, what you want to say is the, the restrainer is removed, so now someone can come in and bring total deception in He'll have power. He'll do signs. He'll do miracles. They say he's in, he's, he has a head injury that would put normal people, make them die, and he comes back to life again. So people are going to believe this. It's going to be so strong. But God's still in control. And then finally in chapter 20, 
verses 1 through 3. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. And he bound them up for a thousand years and cast them into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon them that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little. So God takes them, chains them, throws them in the bottomless pit, but he's still not, the, the devil's still not done. After this tribulation and after all this incredible death and destruction, what happens? The millennial period begins where Christ reigns on the throne. The enemies have been destroyed. Those who were saved during this time and survived it will repopulate the earth for a thousand years. And even after a thousand years are done, God unlooses the devil for, for a time. Why? I have no idea. And uh, then finally puts him into the lake of fire. So everyone present at this scene at one time could have been saved from all of this. Basically what I'm saying, everybody could have been saved from all of this destruction. Instead, they chose to reject Jesus and perish in a godless world. So be in one of two crowns, the rapture coming back at his side or in the crowd that is destroyed instantly. I give you all of this just to say that we're living in times where I don't, we don't know, but we can, we don't know the time, but we can see the seasons. We can see the beginning of sorrows, which means things are happening and they're happening fast. And what should be our heart? Our heart is towards be used by God to, to bring as many people in before that time. Because in Genesis 7, isn't it interesting? When Noah built the ark and it was time, it says in Genesis 7 that God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door of the ark and then the flood came. When God shut the do shuts the door, it's shut. Yeah, some people would get saved during that tribulation period, but they're probably going to be martyred. And what it talks about what kind of martyrdom is, is guillotine. They lose their head. And so you will die during that time. Others will make it through. But why would we want anybody to go through that? We don't. And that gives us, as we take this and, we, and we're by ourselves, take this burden and we pray, and God, just, Holy Spirit, just put me in a place where I see things the way they really are. Not deceived and not thinking about myself and not just thinking about my life. We have a life. We have to work and do all those things. But see people for where they're really at. They may hate your guts for you telling them, but you don't know down the road what can happen because you know what's coming. So I'm going to pray first before we do the closing song. And um, Lord, we just come to you this morning and we are in awe of who you are and your power and your authority and your glory. Lord, as we read this book of Revelation, we are 
we are sobered to the point of, oh, we need you, God. We need you every step of the way. And Maybe you don't know where you're going. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure if you're going to be removed from here in that rapture. All it is is for those who've received the free gift that Jesus offers. He offers you eternal life if you will admit that you're a sinner and acknowledge the fact that you can't save yourself and that he died on the cross for you. You don't have to go through what I just spoke about this morning. There's a way of escape. It's through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe online you're listening. You've never made that decision. I pray this morning that you will acknowledge him as Lord. You can't save yourself. Only he can save you. And he died on the cross and shed his blood so that you could be saved. Because if you don't receive his forgiveness of sins, then you have to face God with your sins. And he can't look on. He's holy. He can't look upon that. There is a way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. You don't have to do anything. There's nothing you can do to earn eternal life. You just need to believe. I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Say, I want, I want Christ. I want to be forgiven. I want eternal life. There's anyone here. He offers you eternal life. Will you accept it? Just lift up your hand and just put it down. I want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that your word is true. Lord, you, in your plan, you put us here at a time as such as this your purpose Lord maybe we've been asleep in the, in, the, in the light I pray this morning that your spirit would quicken us awaken us to know the times that we're living in to know that you're still in control you're still God your love is still the same for the lost Lord we pray we just pray together as a church that your spirit just begin to move in people's hearts. No one can come to the Son unless the Father who sent them, sent him, draws them. Lord, just begin to draw people to your saving grace. Thank you, Lord, for that grace. Thank you that we know we don't deserve it. We know that we've been saved by your grace. Keep us attentive and alert, Lord, to all that you're doing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you stand and just get the lights and just